Ozil. Marca Mesut Ozil. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra. As always, with James from Gunner Blog. Goodly morning to you, James. Goodly morning. How are you doing? I'm all right. How, how was your weekend? Very good. Sunny. Yeah. I mean, even Sunday was less sunny here, but my friend had organised a barbecue and I wore shorts. I persisted. I dressed as if it was sunny, which I think is half the battle. It certainly is. It's gone colder here, actually. We're expecting highs today of only 14 to 16 degrees, which is very disappointing for June. But there you go. These are the fluctuations of of life in Ireland, I guess. It is. It's the same. It's the same over here. It's, it's, you know, the, the, the heat wave has gone, but I'm sort of in denial, basically, is what's happened here. Yeah. I did notice your shirt in one of your videos the other day. I thought you, uh, you, you rocked that bad boy pretty, pretty well. Oh, was it the shirt with all the flamingos on it? Yes, it was. Do you know that short was, shirt was actually bought for, my, uh, for me by my flatmate as a joke, but I've embraced the shirt and started wearing it regularly. I think it's great. No? I mean, you know... How would you describe it to someone who hasn't seen it? It's a black shirt with lots of pink flamingos on it. With a, with What's a, wrong with that? What could, be, what could be better? Just a black shirt? It's <laughs> <laughs> a little more timeless, perhaps? I mean, look, I, like I say, I think you, uh, you've embraced it well for somebody to, to buy you that as, as a gift. I guess it was ironic going, hi, he'll never wear that. Exactly. And I showed them. Mm. What I liked about it is I wore it and then on the comments on the YouTube underneath, a lot of people were fascinated by the shirt and they were like, where did he buy it? And they sort of found a similar shirt from like a designer store for like 600 euros. And they were like, if we want the shirt, this is what we have to, this is what we have to get. Wow. And I was thinking, I'm sure my friends spent about six pounds maximum on that shirt. Um, but you know, if people want to try and emulate me, it's going to cost them. Wow, six hundred pounds for a, a flamingo shirt. You'd be I mean, better off just buying a black shirt and buying flamingos and stapling them to the shirt. That would probably work out cheaper. Yeah, bloody hell! I mean, who knew that f- flamingos were such a high fashion item? You know, I'm not necessarily up to date with the latest in haute couture from the uh, from the design labels of Paris and what have you. But uh, wow, I guess yeah, it's educational. It it doesn't matter the cut, it doesn't matter the colour, it matters that it's got flamingos all over it. That's it. Um, so did you do anything interesting else at the weekend? Did you... Uh, I mean, I didn't. I, I watched, just sort of stayed up late and played music on the internet. Yes, I tuned in to some of you on Saturday mm. night, actually. Enjoyed that. I, I watched Glastonbury, to be honest, but oh, not yeah. in the sort of muddy, tenty way. I watched it on my television, on my sofa, which seems to me to be the superior method of watching Glastonbury. Yeah, I would agree in the sense that you, you don't have to sleep in a tent. I, no. I don't understand tents. I mean, I know why they exist and what have you, people who want to go camping and that kind of stuff, but, you know, this is the 21st century. Why would anyone deliberately subject themselves to a tent when they could stay at a moderately priced bed and breakfast, perhaps? Yeah, the worst thing about tents, as someone who's been in one relatively recently, is when it is hot and you wake up in the morning in a tent, it is it is about the hottest place I can imagine, actually. Mm. it's It's the air is thick 
with the smell of you. It's not good. No. It's not good. No, no, no. I have a, Especially I'm, in a scenario where showers are at a premium, you know? Well, this is it. I did go to a festival here a few years back. Uh, it's not quite Glastonbury. It's called the Electric Picnic, but it was pretty horrific. Uh, just having to sleep in a tent and then having to go and try and find some kind of toilet. Oh, it's just, it's just not right, you know? There should be better facilities for these kind of things. I know, I know. That's the, that's the big political issue of the day. The toilets at Glastonbury. Oh, I um, shudder to think what they're like. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, uh, so, but, you know, from your sofa, great fun. Lovely, and you can see everything. Enjoyed it. Yeah, very good. I'm glad you got the full Glastonbury. Glastonbury? Glastonbury? The, the Glastonbury experience. Yeah, the and I, <laughs> As I mentioned to you just before we start recording, I have fallen off the wagon. I've stopped watching the Confederations Cup. Why, James? Why? I, I, I don't know. It's almost as if once I had watched New Zealand play Chile or something, I couldn't muster the energy and concentration to watch New Zealand play again. It's almost as if I realised that the tournament was basically a nonsense, that no one else was taking seriously or watching apart from me. Yeah. Uh, and that, that, that dawning realisation has, has made me turn over to Glastonbury. Why do we say something is a nonsense? What is that? What, why are it's like starting- the Arsenal. <laughs> why, why? You can't go into a shop and buy a nonsense. It's not a noun, is it? It's no. not. It's just nonsense. I mean, the word nonsense is absolutely perfect on its own without the ah in front of it. I guess, yeah. But you say something is a disgrace, but nor can you buy a disgrace. But you're talking I mean, about us. Well, yeah. Arsenal fans might contest that, given some of our signings down the years. But <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. A nonsense. It's a quite antiquated thing to say, isn't it? Hmm. It's probably just me trying to sound clever. Yeah, who knows? It's, it's I think it's just a verbal thing that some people started saying, and and uh, and now it's become a thing that people say all the time, without thinking about it. Just use the word nonsense, folks. That's where we're going with this one. All right, I've learned my lesson. I've you learned my lesson. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to cross you and you know get another curse placed upon me. <laughs> Grudge. So you didn't. You didn't tune into uh, Chile playing Australia or. Whatever the hell was going on this weekend. Chile drew 1-1 with Australia. I saw some people on Twitter saying that Australia were winning 1-0. And I was like, well, that's unusual, but I still don't care enough to turn it on or look at it. Right. I presume Alexis uh, played the whole 500 minutes of the game. Yeah, he did. and But both his legs were removed during the course of the game. He was just cr- sort of crawling along. Um, uh, yeah, that happened. And Germany... Mesut Ozil's not with Germany, is he? No, no. He's so, been given find, some time off. He's on his uh, holly bobs. He's got lots to think about, I guess. <laughs> um, what he's going to spend his, his, his riches on. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, no, I didn't I didn't see that. I, I didn't really watch the under-21s. To be honest, I've now finally accepted that we're in some sort of football hiatus. I've, I've accepted it. I fought it for a while by kind of watching anything that I could, but mm. I've had to make my peace with it now. You're just embracing it and embracing the uh, the beauty, the 
the sheer joy of silly season when it comes to transfers because that's where we're that's where we're at at the moment. The only stories that are doing the rounds are transfer stories, and most transfer stories, as we know, are to be taken with a, a fairly hefty pinch of salt um, because there's nothing a else to talk salt. about. A bag of salt, exactly. yeah, 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 uh, a nonsense I mean, this- of salt. A nonsense of salt. That's the collective noun. I um, I think that the... Well, it's been the week of Lacazette, really, have, have, since we last spoke. That's yeah. what it feels like. Everyone's... I'm just looking now, even James Olley at the Evening Standards talking about Arsenal's uh, interest in Lacazette. That's that's the one that's kind of uh, almost usurped Kylian Mbappe as the, the transfer on everyone's lips in recent days. Yeah, I mean, do you feel like... The pursuit of Lacazette has been made because we know that there's no chance of getting Mbappe. I know some people were talking over the weekend that you know Arsenal are after Lacazette, but they still haven't ruled out moving for Mbappe. But to me, it would it, it would be it would make more sense if we were after Lacazette in this very strong way because we know now that there's no chance of signing Mbappe. Maybe. I mean, I sort of joked, maybe it's just to flush Mbappe out. You know, we're just uh, we're just flirting with Lacazette, so Mbappe has to decide on uh, choosing Arsenal. I think that realistically, I mean, it depends how how advanced you believe the move for Lacazette is, because there have been conflicting reports about that. There was talk of this sixty million euro bid or something like that, and then uh, the Lyon president came out and said, "Oh, it's very early to talk about a deal." You know, there is interest from Arsenal. He mentioned it to Gerard Houllier at the. France England game, but it hasn't mm. necessarily gone much beyond that. Um, I personally think that if we have bid that money for Lacazette, it probably means that we think we're not getting Mbappe. But I suspect we're probably still in a position slightly before that where it kind of still could go one way or the other. Mm. It's definitely true that one is more plausible. Yeah. It would seem that Lacazette is much more achievable from. Uh, from Arsenal's point of view than Mbappe because of just basically everything that surrounds that particular deal and who we're competing with. Like there is at the moment, as as we understand it, no real competition for the signing of Lacazette other than Atletico Madrid, who can't, can't do buy a signing. Him. At the yeah, they can't sign him until January. Um, so I don't know. It's interesting. I wonder, will he... Will he still feel like going there? Because he was very much on the verge of going to Atletico Madrid and then the transfer ban was handed out and the deal was the deal was put on hold. He might really fancy that move. Maybe he doesn't want to come to Arsenal. Imagine that. Imagine it. I mean, yeah, it's been talked about. I think the Leon president said it was the Atletico was the club of his heart. And it was mm. very much a done deal. He'd been there, been to the training ground, been to the stadium. Uh, everything was all agreed for that to go through. So... Uh, January the 1st he could potentially go there I think Atletico need a certain ruling to go in their favour to be able to do deals in January but yeah I mean that will be in his mind that will be in his mind but equally moving to the Premier League moving to Arsenal is still a good opportunity it's still a good opportunity the the fact that Atletico are interested in him is the thing that makes me most positive about Lacazette apart from his goal record I think weirdly I sort of trust Diego Simeone I think he's brought some good players down the years. They've had a great turnover in terms of strikers, people they've got in and got out, and they've generally been successful. So 
the fact that they wanted to take him does, in, does encourage me a little mm. bit about Lacazette. I can't find anything trustworthy about Diego Simeone. He looks like the man who would sell you a car that's been sawn in half and put back together by a really bad welder. But I do, I do take your point there in terms of <laughs> the players that he's going to, you know, try and bring into to Atletico Madrid. Um, you know, they've had some good forwards, but also, you know, they bought Fernando Torres back, didn't they? Well, that is the the big counterpoint. Yeah, but you know, that was kind of a, I don't know, there must have been some emotion or, or sentiment in that signing as well. Surely, mm. I, I, it's it's. What do you think? I mean, I think it's an either or for Lacazette and Mbappe. I can't see any situation where Arsenal would bring in both. No, I can't either, to be perfectly honest. And I think if we do bring in Lacazette, it's going to mean one of our other strikers is going to go as well. I mean, we're taking it as read that Lucas Perez is is going to leave, right? Because, mm-hmm. well, you know, why would he stay and why would Arsenal keep him? Um, if we don't feel inclined to play him when, you know, last season going forward with a new sign and coming in, there's no way he's going to get any game time and it would be a waste of everybody's time if he were to stay. So let's take that as red. Then there's Olivier Giroud, who of course was spotted at Lyon Airport this weekend. His agent said, well, that's because he and his wife live or have a house in Grenoble and that is the local airport. But, you know, put two and two together in this crazy transfer world of ours. Lacazette coming to Arsenal, Giroud being touted as part of that deal. Perhaps Leon um, would be interested in him. I think their president said over the weekend that they they have had some contact. They have spoken with him, and Giroud said, "Look, I still secretly hope to be the number one striker at Arsenal." Uh, yeah, you know, I can't see that being the case, but it's clear that he wants to be the number one striker somewhere, especially with the World Cup coming up next summer. He will want to maintain his position as. Uh, France's number one striker. And he's only going to do that with regular football. He's not going to do that by being a bit part player at Arsenal, coming off the bench or starting Europa League games. I think that would have a negative impact on his uh, on his chances of, of being in the World Cup squad. So I think, I think Giroud, the situation with him is going to be very interesting over the next couple of weeks if we really firm up this Lacazette interest then I think that's a situation that will also develop I think he will want out I think he will as well I think he will especially with that World Cup place on the line uh, I don't think he's going to be happy to be a bit part player I've said many times I really want him to stay but I think it feels like the momentum is with him going now uh, I, it's interesting isn't it I was thinking about this this morning I was thinking if we were confident that Alexis Sanchez was staying. Mm. Do you think Arsene Wenger would feel more comfortable going into the season with, say, Welbeck and Giroud as his strikers? Because even if one of those players only gets sort of 15 to 20 goals, you've got potentially 25 to 30 from Alexis. Whereas the fact Alexis might go sort of means we need a more productive centre forward, you know, a more yeah. reliable goal scorer. So I think that if if Alexis was staying, they might persist with a Welbeck, say, because, you know, if you think Alexis contributes about 25 to 30 goals, Welbeck might get, get you 15. I think Lacazette is not a direct replacement for Alexis in terms of the position he plays, but in terms of productivity uh, and his goal-scoring record, maybe that's part of the thinking that, you know, he's, mm. he's scored so many goals in France. It's obviously that doesn't guarantee goals in English football, but he is a finisher. And if Alexis is going to go, we are going to have a big shortfall of goals yeah. uh, in the side. So maybe that's in Arsene Wenger's thoughts. I, it's, a, it's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because 
there is a sort of um, collective lack of enthusiasm that I perceive among lots of Arsenal fans about Lacazette. Yeah, is that fair? I yeah, I think I, I think we've noticed that. I thought your video actually was quite interesting. Like, if we hadn't been after Mbappe, would it be or would it feel quite as underwhelming? And you know, I, mm. I, I personally, he's a player that I would like to be surprised by. If and when he comes to Arsenal, he could he could kick on. It could be just the perfect move for him. He's twenty six years of age. He's going to have his peak years. You know, if you look at even Alexis, the way that he has improved during his time at Arsenal in terms of his end product, the amount of goals that he scored, the amount of assists that he's made, uh, he made last season, you know, had a fantastic season. Sometimes I think we overlook the the fact that players do and can get better at Arsenal. Um, so Lacazette could be one of those. But at the moment, it feels to me a bit like he's he would be a, a sort of a will toward player. And Will Tord was a very decent player for us, but not the guy who's going to take us to another level. And then you wonder, can Arsenal actually sign a player to well, take us to question. another level? That is that is the bigger question. Do we not have to cut our cloth accordingly? Do we not have to be realistic about the state of, um, not necessarily the state of the club, but what we li- what lies ahead of us? Okay, we've got Europa League football next season. We've we've uh, we've had a season in which we won something, which is great, but ultimately, which was. Difficult, I think, you know, to for fans and for the perception of the club and everything else, it was a difficult season for Arsenal. So can you then attract a player of the highest quality or the highest calibre, especially when there are still question marks over the futures of Alexis Sanchez, Mesut Ozil, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain? There are still lots of things that need to be sorted out this summer, aren't there? Mm, exactly. And, and I share exactly that thought of... You know, he's not necessarily a player to... He's not a game-changer. He's not someone transformative who's going to suddenly bring Arsenal back into title contention. Mm. But then I don't really believe that we're capable of signing a player like that right now. It doesn't feel that way anyway. Yeah, I mean, is, is the best we can hope for... Well, maybe not the best we can hope for, but is... If there's some method to it, is it not that we sign someone like Lacazette, who's a good goal scorer... Looks a very uh, decent player, but maybe not doesn't tick all the boxes that people want. But then we develop him, or he develops at Arsenal into the kind of player that we would want to sign. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think so, and I do think that you know you mentioned the point that if we hadn't been pursuing Mbappe, which none of us really considered a realistic prospect at all a matter of weeks ago, uh, then maybe we would feel a little bit better about Lacazette. You know, there is obviously a, a shortfall, you know, between the two. There's a drop-off in terms of potential and excitement and what the signing would symbolise and mean and do for the club. Um, but I still think Lacazette, it is a really impressive record and people who watch him more often than me tell me that they're surprised by the reaction of some Arsenal fans, that they think that Arsenal fans are perhaps being a little bit, uh, not spoiled, but, you know, that they're, they're unnecessarily unexcited about Lacazette. Yeah, I mean, when you when you break it down, you're signing a 26-year-old player with lots of experience with a proven track record who gets goals every single season, or you're buying an 18-year-old who looks to have such incredible potential but still is just 18 years of age. 
and mm-hmm. may go through a period in his career where it takes him a few years to, to actually realize that potential. And you're paying twice as much money, maybe more, for the 18-year-old than the guy who's got the established goal-scoring record. So, you know, it, it, it is a matter of perception um, and maybe being a bit more realistic about it. Yeah, that's it. I think it, it is it is perception. And uh, maybe Arsenal's being pragmatic and thinking, well, this guy is at least proven at some level or consistent over a long period of time. Mm. Uh, and that might factor into his thinking. Look, I think he would still he would still love to take Mbappe. Uh, I think that clearly was target number one. And I almost think that that sort of is a deal that they're almost operating on on a separate track. It's like, if we pull this off, obviously that changes our whole transfer policy. But yeah. the, the promising thing really is that they are pursuing other options and going down other avenues because we're in long shot territory with Mbappe. Mm, we really are. And uh, we have to hope, of course, that there's, there are other things going on as well. And, can we read anything into what they're doing? Well, I mean, we don't know exactly what they're doing at this moment in time. Um, but are they working on the premise that they're going to keep Ozil and Alexis? Or are they working... Do they know? I mean, this is the these are the big questions that we don't really know. Um, obviously, Alexis uh, might well have signaled his intentions to the club, but the club, of course, can keep him for the final year of his contract. We don't know what's going on with Ozil as well. So... Um, it's good that we don't know in a way because it means other clubs don't... Well, it's not public, which makes it a little bit easier to handle for now. I'm sure behind this, if Alexis has decided to go, the major players will know. You know, mm. the, if, he, if, he, if he's told Manchester City, say, that he's up for a move, they will know, Arsenal will know. But the fact that that's not uh, a public sort of problem yeah. pr- uh, probably helps us do our business with, with other clubs at any rate. Um. Other stuff that went around over the weekend, I'm not quite sure how accurate any of it is. Theo Walcott linked with a move to West Ham. Was he now? I didn't see that myself, but yeah. he has been in the past. He was, well. yeah. Last summer there were um, stories they were going to bid about £25 million for him. It's certainly a deal that would make some sense if we're going to stick with that three-at-the-back formation because it, it leaves Walcott fairly redundant because he can't play as one of the two... Uh, behind the striker and he doesn't want to be a striker anymore he's already said that he wants to play wide so it'd be very interesting to see if Arsene Wenger uh, is going to stick with that formation and what it might mean for him uh, for Walcott I mean 28 years of age few years left on his contract it could be the time to to cash in on Theo Walcott um, particularly with the money sloshing around the Premier League yeah I think there'd certainly be lots of people interested in Theo and in that system I just don't think he really has a place. I think a lot depends on if Arsene Wenger is envisaging sticking with that system all the time next season or if mm. he thinks sometimes I want to go to a four at the back because if, if he does want to go to a four at the back, Theo is probably still the most natural guy to fill that right wing role in a, in a front three. But in the system we have at the present, you know, he barely gets off the bench. Mm. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain linked with a move to Liverpool. Again, there's a lot of talk about him and Liverpool. Um, it's a strange one, this one, isn't it? It seems to go in cycles of yeah, he's moving, then he's staying, then maybe he's going again. Yeah. It's very difficult to pin down. And, and all the time, it goes round and round and round, and there is no official news about a contract. It drags on and on. Yeah, it's it's an odd one, obviously. I think the big issue here is whether he 
how much he wants to play as a central midfield player because it's about time, really, that he nailed down a position, isn't it? Because he's not a left winger, he's not a right winger, he's not a right wing back or a left wing back. Is he a you know holding midfield player? Is he an attacking midfield player? Arsene Wenger talks about him being a central midfield player, but only ever plays him there when he's got no other choice. And I do mm. wonder if that, as much as anything else, is the the sticking point, whether it's from the club's point of view or the player's point of view. You know, there's Arsene Wenger saying it would do as big damage if Oxlade-Chamberlain left, yet there was no offer made to him all throughout last season. The club didn't offer him a new contract. And it just seems a strange way, perhaps there's indecision on behalf of, of the manager as to whether or not he's a player that he wants to invest another four or five seasons in or years in, in terms of money, time, development, anything else, when he might not feel comfortable enough playing him in the position that he wants to play in or that the the, uh, the player himself wants to be in. You know, if we need a central midfield player this summer, right, mm. is Arsene Wenger going to, is he going to go all in on Oxlade-Chamberlain and say yes, rather than spend... 30, 40, 50 million pounds on an established central midfield player who can come in, I'm going to make the decision now. I'm going to play Oxlade-Chamberlain there. I'm going to do what I did with Colo Toure, for example. That summer, everyone said, Arsenal need a central defender. We have to have a central de- uh, defender. And he, he he played Colo Toure there, and we all thought, what the fuck is going on? What's going on here? And he was proved right, obviously, and that was a great decision. But I don't feel like he's ready to do that with Oxlade-Chamberlain uh, and central midfield. That's it. That's it. And and if an, uh, an alternative club come in and say, you know, we can promise you that we can promise you a regular role in the position you want to be in, of course that's going to turn his head. I mean, set aside the fact that a Liverpool are a Champions League team at the moment, and Arsenal aren't. So, yeah. and I also think that our inability or our unwillingness to have offered a contract firmly earlier in the season must play into this as well. That must mess with the player's head. When sure. They want to stay at the club and there's no offer forthcoming. I almost can't blame a player in that situation for looking at their other options. I think it would be bizarre if they didn't, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think uh, there are some stories that he he has signed a new deal with us or that he's agreed terms anyway, but until there's nothing official and you have to look at the providence of some of these uh, transfer stories as well, that the agents of the player, you know, put these stories out there, whether it's part of negotiation or whether it's true, um, that we have to read a little bit into that as well. So I think that that one's a bit of a worry. And I have to say, I'm not 100% convinced that Oxley chamberlain will be an Arsenal player next season. So, Yeah, and I, you know, Arsenal have been looking for a central midfield player and maybe that plays into that. And I think, um, I have no idea what I think. Do you ever do that thing where you just start a sentence and you're like, I have no idea what the end of it was going to be. I, I knew at one point and it just fell out of my head. Yeah. Oh, it's come back. Oh, wow. That was quick. Yeah. I think what's happening <laughs> I think what's happening with Mbappe is sort of a microcosm for what's happening for the entire transfer window, really, which is that, you know, we know the situation. We know teams are in for him. Uh, we know there's a possibility of a move. But he has sort of gone on holiday and there's a period of like reflection and he's thinking about it. And I feel like that has happened with various transfers. You know, we were told Ospina was close to a move to Turkey. Uh, Chesney was close to a move to Juventus. And then players go away, people from the club, officials go away. This feels like a sort of odd melting pot time where we're waiting for everything to settle. And only once we get into July will these things actually become concrete. So yeah. it, it's a little bit of an awkward period in that respect. Are you waiting? I mean, are you expecting things to just start moving once they start moving uh, 
it was snowball to an extent that yeah, once we get- surely there'll be a domino effect. I mean, the problem for Arsenal is they're going on this tour, and um, historically we don't really do business while on tour because Arsenal and Gazidis will be in in Australia and Asia. So D- don't worry, Dick Law is there; he'll sort it all out. <laughs> That's it. But he, he, Dick Law's got all these brilliant transfers lined up. He just can't get anyone to sign off on them. He must be furious. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's, got, he's had Mbappe in the bag for weeks. Why aren't they answering their phone? Oh, God, it's because it's, it's the middle of the night down in Australia. That's that's the problem. That's it. So I think we go away on like the 9th or something, or 10th mm. of July. Um, so maybe, maybe between now and then you'd see some business. I mean, the other thing about the Lacazette thing that I wanted to come back to briefly was, do you think there's any pressure or feeling of, well, if Mbappe is dragging his heels... We need to bring somebody in to help with the contract negotiations with Alexis and Ozil. Do you think there's any sense from Arsenal and Gazidis that they need to make a statement signing early-ish in this window to help them with other matters? Possibly. Possibly, yeah. I hadn't really considered that, but it would make some kind of sense. I think we probably know fine well what's going on with Mbappe. I would be right. very surprised if the men at the top, or certainly Arsene Wenger wasn't 100% clear on that. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's whether or not they can communicate these things to the players, to Ozil. To, I mean, is Lacazette a signing that is going to make Ozil and Sanchez go, woo, definitely going to stay now? You know, I, not I'm not the sure same that... Way as Mbappe, I'm, no, I'm not sure that it is. And I don't even think it's Mbappe himself that would make the make them sit up and take notice. It's the statement that it would make, uh, that Arsenal would make by actually signing him, by spending that much money, by investing in that potential, by holding off Real Madrid in order to to bring this guy in. That would say a lot. You know, it would change the perception of Arsenal in the transfer market immeasurably. It would absolutely and utterly shatter our transfer record. It would show that we are still a draw, despite the fact we don't have Europa League, etc., etc. Arsene Wenger is still the great persuader, etc., etc. You know, I think that would be a huge statement. I don't think Lacazette does the same thing, but what it might do is uh, at least start the ball rolling in terms of what else we have to do this uh, this summer. I mean, there's talk of the other guy from Monaco as well, Thomas Lamar. Mm. Um, we're supposedly interested in him. So, uh, again, is he somebody to replace someone who might be leaving or someone to come in and augment the squad and give us something that bit different and, and maybe keep these guys and, and uh, convince them to stay? But again, I don't know. Everything is just so up in the air that you just you just got no idea. That's it. And I think over the next couple of weeks, hopefully the dust will begin to settle uh, and when it does, you know, hopefully we hopefully we won't look much worse for it. Mm. Anything else we should talk about in this part of the show? I don't know. Nothing necessarily jumps out. I'm just trying to have a, a quick scan through the news. I think I think I think we've covered it. Mm. I think we've covered most of it. We certainly have. Okay, we've got some uh, questions. A lot of questions. Uh, and stuff. So we'll we'll take a little break here. We'll come back with uh, those and more in part two right after this. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer the questions that you sent to us on Twitter, at GunnarBlog and at Arsblog and on the Arsblog Facebook page, for uh, which is facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog. Remember as well, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Acast. Our Acast page is acast.com forward slash Arsblog. You can get all the archives and everything else there. Um, right. Do you, do you, do you want to start or will I start? You can start. Why not? I'm okay. generous. Um, Kevin Anderson on Facebook says, we've been linked with three French strikers, Mbappe, Lacazette, and Anthony Martial. Does anyone else think Martial might be the best option? Amazing prospect as a youngster and then didn't have a good spell somewhere? A bit Henri-esque. And could Mourinho's twattery work for us if he thinks he could sell us a player he doesn't rate? <sighs> I have to be honest that I, I can't believe that Jose Mourinho would sell a player of that calibre to Arsenal. Um, however, he has sold Pat a cheque to Arsenal in the past and he did he not sell Juan Mata to Manchester United too. So there is some track record of him letting people go. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Martial. Like he, when he signed for United, there was that feeling of, you know, that ought to be a, a guy signing for Arsenal. Despite all the massive money that was paid for him, he just seemed such a classic archetypal Arsene Wenger player. Um, so, yeah, I would I, I would actually love to see Anthony Martial at, at Arsenal. Whether or not he's the best of that bunch, I don't necessarily know. I think there's an excitement about Mbappe that supersedes anything we saw around Martial at that age. But uh, I think he would be a, a, a good addition. And I do like the narrative of a player who it hasn't quite panned out for with a rival finding his feet elsewhere. And at 21, there's every chance he could do that. Mm. But I don't necessarily see United dispensing with him. I think that he... I I just find that hard to believe, especially given their investment. What do you think? I'd be really surprised if it were to happen, but I can see how many boxes it ticks from an Arsenal point of view. You know, the... Like you say, the player who hasn't quite done it at the club um, he signed for. He's French, he's young. Arsene Wenger uh, rates him as well. He did talk about him in, in fairly high, glowing terms. I mean, isn't it amazing when you think about it, this generation, this new generation of French player, these French forwards and strikers, you know, between Martial, Mbappe, uh, Thomas Lamar, of course, a bit of a midfielder. Dembele at Dortmund. Like they're creating, where are they making them? Do they have a factory where they're making these these young, exciting French players? And it's really strange that we're not in, or that one of them hasn't come to us. Do you know what I mean? No. We were we, usually we the first. We got to go from that generation. Yeah, yeah, but we were usually the first port of call for these guys. That Arsenal, it was the French club that our contacts and our our track record there meant that we were a really exciting and attractive proposition for these young players. And it's funny now when you look back at the Martial transfer and everyone at the time was going, holy shit, that's a fucking, what a, an amount of money they paid. It seems normal now. Seems mm. relatively normal. I can't see... United selling him. I mean, the, the, the issue they have, of course, is that they don't have Ibrahimovic anymore. They've got to maintain some measure of depth in their forward options. Who, who plays up front for United now next season? It's got to be Martial, really, doesn't it? Unless they're going to bring somebody else in. Um, I think they're going to try and bring someone in. And obviously, they've got Marcus Rashford as well. Oh, yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. On the books. Yeah. 
Yeah. <sighs> Martial is an interesting one. I mean, he's played predominantly on the left for United and you have to think, again, he's one of those players who Arsene Wenger would look at and think, well, I can make a number nine out of you. Yeah. He's clearly got the athleticism, the finishing ability. He, several times in a United shirt, he's produced those curling right-foot finishes from the left-hand side of the penalty box and you go... I mean, you know, fair play to Monaco. They've had a fair few of these players come through over the years. Yeah. He's another one who would be there, but for the massive money United pays. Maybe so. the best transfer we could make this uh, summer is Monaco's chief scout. Yeah. Or their head of youth development or whoever the hell it is, because, you know, what an amount uh, of talent they've got coming through there that they've brought through and sold on. You know, they've really bought and sold very, very well, Monaco, even though they had that big influx of cash, didn't they, with the the rich mm. owner and everything else. But, you know, they, they buy relatively high, but they sell even higher. Um, and they do have or have found some really, really uh, fine players over the last few years. Yeah, and and Martial is is one, and uh, yeah, I think that there is untapped potential there. He's still younger than Thierry Henry was when he arrived at Arsenal, twenty one. Uh, but I, I I'm not getting too invested in this story, partly based on the sort of spurious nature of the sources, but also I just find it. I don't find it particularly credible that United would let him go to us. Yeah, I agree. But I but agree. it is fascinating that there is that whole generation of French talent, and Arsenal haven't really got any of them and when you look at the French national side the players Arsenal have are Koscielny and Giroud and they're both north of 30 Yeah, we don't have any of the younger element of that French squad and we've been linked with them all at various points but not managed to pull it off yeah big question there then why haven't we why haven't we done it I think it mm. goes back to what Arsene Wenger was saying that maybe we have to try and get these players in at a at an earlier age before they become established somewhere else and before they have all the options that they then have because they've they've hit the spotlight and they've uh, proven themselves good players which means they've got lots of options lots of clubs to choose from um so yeah maybe we'll see something of that this summer uh, we had a question from Will on Twitter, and it's sort of in, in reference to the Mbappe deal, but he's at Isonics underscore, by the way. Mm-hmm. And he said, would you rather spend £140 million on one elite player or on three top-level players, e.g. Lacazette, Lamar, someone else? The fantasy part of my brain goes, I'd love to just spend £140 million on the elite player. And of course, we're making a big assumption that Mbappe is going to remain uh, an absolutely elite player. I mean, is he that yet? I don't think he is. He's obviously a player of great potential and he could go on and have a, an absolutely brilliant career. But as ever with 18-year-olds, there is, there's got to be an element of doubt. There has to be. Nevertheless, I can see all the attractive things about signing him, as I said in the first part of the show, what it would mean. Uh, the perception of the club uh, it would just change the way that we do business. We just don't do things like that. But from a realistic point of view, you've got to ask, what would you get more from? That or three players who can perform to a high level on a consistent basis and can make the team better and give you more depth and quality throughout the season. Because you spend £140 million on one kid and he gets Shawcrossed then, you know, what yeah. happens to your £140 million? Even if you spend £50 million on three players each, you know, £50 million each, even if one of them gets Shawcross, you've still got the two. So, you know, there's that there's that kind of safety uh, involved. And I think the, the more realistic option, of course, is that you would spend on three players. Arsene Wenger said he wanted to bring in three players this summer. Um, he's brought one in. So maybe we've got 
two sixty million pound players to come in, whoever they might be, like mm-hmm. Azet and Lamar. And is that us done? Who knows? We'll see. But I think that's the the more realistic, the more sensible way to go. But of course, you know, fuck it. Might as well go all in on a pair of jokers or whatever. Can I ask a follow-up question then? This yeah. one's, I mean, I say I ask. It's not from me. It's from J. Sergio Del Guidici on Facebook. Uh, and they ask, if we signed Mbappe, unlikely I know, and won slash bought the league, wouldn't we all feel a little dirty spending 100 million plus on one 18-year-old who only views us as a stepping stone? We criticise other clubs for spending obscene amounts of money and football for allowing it. Do we really need to sink to that level and feed the salivating idiots at Sky and BT just so we can brag about maybe winning a pot? I, You know, I think that's a... <sighs> Football is what it is. And um, I, I, if other clubs spend money that they have, I don't think we can really criticise too much. I think where the criticism comes in is where it's, um, let's say, oligarch money or sugar daddy money. If Arsenal are going to spend 140 million quid, it's because uh, it's not because uh, Stan Kroenke's given it to us or because, uh, or because Ali Sharuzmanov has given it to us. It's because the club has decided that it can afford to spend that and it's its own money. So, I, you know, I wouldn't be critical about that. Um, if it wins us the title, who gives a fuck? Really? The market is just insane anyway. When you think about it, it's absolutely bananas. It's four years ago that we signed Mesut Ozil for £42.5 million. Pounds, and that mm. was putting us into a different stratosphere, a different level. And here we are now, you could be spending £60 million pounds on someone like Lacazette, who's you know a good player, but not not transformative, Not the doesn't come with the same prestige as someone like Mesut Ozil, right? So the market is insane because the money in the game is insane. And we either decide as a point of principle that we're not going to get involved in stuff like that, that we're gonna we're gonna be sensible. We're gonna we're gonna try and buy players for for what we think they're worth, rather than what the market dictates them to be worth. And ultimately, then you just don't get players that you want if that's the way you're gonna operate. So you know, look, I see both sides of it. It is nuts. It's fucking crazy. 140 million pounds on one player. I mean, it's obscene. It's obscene, and the the knock-on effects of it will probably be obscene as well, because you bring in a £140 million player, you've got to pay him £140 million wages. So all of a sudden, you've got Kylian Mbappe at Arsenal having uh, arrived for a world record transfer fee, maybe the highest earner at the club, because it's simply because of that deal. It will be broken down into parts. So how do players like Alexis and Ozil then, who have done it, who've got a track record, who've contributed, how do they feel? They want parity, at least... So then you have players like Koscielny. You've got good players who uh, have played a big part in Arsenal winning trophies in the last few years, who've performed for us on a con- consistent basis. You have this massive gap between those players and the, the elite earners. That's not sustainable. That is, that's a problem. That's something that clubs have to consider. Um, but, you know, that's, that's fucking football at the moment. I don't see that it, it can change in any way. Unless they put a transfer cap in or a wage cap, and they don't seem in any way inclined to do anything like that. So uh, you either get with it or or you don't. Well, that's it. It's a, I think it comes down to how competitive do you want to be. I, I'm not sure we can be truly competitive without spending similar sums of money because that is the market rate at present. And I don't like it. You know, mm. I don't think it's particularly pleasant. 
Um, but if anyone should be spending that money, it should be Arsenal, a club that is self-sufficient. Uh, and this is sort of what we've been waiting for, really, to be in a position where we are able to spend this kind of money. This was the point. This was the point of the whole strategy. Yeah. So, you know, I, I find it a little bit, you know, distasteful. But at the same time, I do want to win things. And I want Arsenal to win things. And I, and I that's, I think, what it's going to cost. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, scary though scary amount of money and, and once that if that deal does happen for Mbappe this summer inevitably that's just going to push everybody else's transfer fees up a little bit as well so it sets a new bar you know that's that's the reality yeah okay alright um, Met at AFC Met wants to know do you think we should keep Callum Chambers or cash in on him I would like to keep him I would like to keep him probably at the expense of maybe uh, one of the other central defenders who's on the books. I mean, if we stick with three at the back, you need at least six centre-halves, don't you? Mm. Uh, and so we've got... Who you've got? You've got Koscielny, Mustafi, Holding, and then you've got Murtasaka. Um, Gabriel. Gabriel. Chambers. And then Chambers. Monreal. And then you've also got Monreal. Mm. Uh, and apparently, potentially... Uh, the new boy as well, Kalasinac apparently can play uh, at centre-half in a three. Right. I don't think he will, but he has said himself that he has done previously. I think that might be too many. Um, that feels like quite a lot, but I, I would like Chambers to stay, even if it meant losing somebody like a Gabriel, say. I think that Chambers deserves a, a chance. Mm. I think he did well at Middlesbrough. He's a young English player. He's got big potential. He's doing well with the under-21s. Uh, and I think a back three will suit him. I, I saw Martin Keown at the kit launch um, last week and I asked him about Callum Chambers and he said that for him, he's never been quite sure if Chambers was better off as a centre-half or, or a full-back potentially or a holding midfielder. And he thinks that a back three might kind of allow him to combine elements of all those roles. You know, it's in a similar way that we think it might for Mustafi. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's well suited to it. And I'd like to see him stay, but it's just a question of if we can keep all those centre-halves happy. I'm not sure we can. What about you? Well, uh, another part of it is whether we can keep all those centre-halves fit. You know, Lauren Koscielny spoke, didn't he, towards the end of the season about how he requires daily treatment on his True. Achilles to keep playing. We know that Per Mertesacker is, is probably into his final season with the club, and we have to think about the future and a bit of continuity as well. So going forward, if you're three young centre-halves, young-ish, are Mustafi Holding and Callum Chambers, you know, maybe if they get enough game time, you know, they could become established and experienced and people that we then come to to rely on. I think he had a good season at Borough. I think he did everything that you want a lone player to do when he goes out play regularly, improve, uh, you know, use it as a learning experience. And I think he's done all of those things. He's mm. uh, he's had good reviews um, from Borough fans. I know the uh, the other guy, the other central defender they have there is the chairman, the son of the chairman, is it Ben, is it ben Gibson? Gibson? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he tends to be in the spotlight a little more, but from everything I've read, um, Chambers did pretty well overall. He's away now with the England under-21s. He's starting the games. Rob Holding, as impressive as he's been for Arsenal, is sitting on the bench. So maybe that says something as well. I think he's a player who... 
who was really exciting. And everyone was very excited when we signed him first with the potential that he had. You remember he came in, he played with this kind of fearlessness. And his confidence took a bit of a a dent, didn't it, when he had that game against uh, Swansea. And, you know, I'm not sure we necessarily managed him particularly well through that period of his career, that he was just left a bit sidelined, that he wasn't really relied on um, to any great extent. Um, but I, you know, he's gone away. He, he's matured as a player and as a person. He's 22, still very young in the life of a centre half, and I think the back three would certainly suit him. You know, he's good on the ball. He's he's not a fullback. I think we can say that with any, with some certainty. He's not going to be a, a a right back unless it's an absolute emergency. But if we're staying with three at the back, then he's he's most definitely not a wing back either. So. Yeah, I would keep him. I keep him for you know another season at least, and let's see how he develops, and uh, you know give him a chance to play in that back three, and let's judge him on what he does on the pitch. I think the potential is there certainly. You know, there's a reason why we paid 16 million pounds for him three years ago, which at that time was big, big money for us. Um, particularly when you're signing a teenager with only what 20 games under his belt, really. So, mm. you know, let's uh, let's give him another go. I would definitely keep him. I would as well. I would as well. Uh, this question's from Omar Farouk. I wonder if Callum Chambers might factor into this. Possibly not. He says, We seem to have options in almost every position, with the exception of right back or right wing back. Debussy and Jenkinson are certain to depart. If we manage to keep Oxlade Chamberlain, he may well push for a midfield berth rather than playing back up to Bellerin. We haven't been linked to anyone either. What do you expect the situation to be next season? Will Maitland-Niles be promoted to the first team, perhaps? Or would we rely on Chambers for cover, if not the Ox? Um, Yeah, what do you think? The right-hand side of defence. It's an interesting one. It is an interesting one because, like you say, Jenkinson and Debussy are most likely going to leave. Uh, Hector Bellerin's away with the Spanish under-21s at the European Championships. He'll probably be back a bit late. Maybe he'll have some extra holidays or his his pre-season will be a little truncated anyway. So, yeah, I do wonder. I do wonder what he's going to do there. You know, Maitland-Niles, is he is he a right wing-back? I don't know. I mean, that, that seems like the sort of solution Arsene Wenger might go for to promote somebody from within to deputise for Hector Bellerin rather than bring in a signing. Um, yeah. But Maitland-Niles really, I mean, having begun his career on the flanks, I know he played a couple of games at right back. I think it was the season before last for Arsenal. Really, he's been redeveloped as a holding midfield player. And it, it I mean, it's, it's possible that he would push him out wide again, but it would seem strange to kind of continually shift his development around in that mm. way, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to know what the plan is there, to be perfectly honest, because we're still a little bit unsure, aren't we, about what's, what's going to happen next season in terms of... Uh, what formation we're going to play. So that might play a part in in what we do. Um, I don't see Callum Chambers as as a wing-back, I must say. No. No, I don't Uh, either. I think he's a central defender and probably better off in in a three. Uh, I think Bellerin is a perfect wing-back, but we've got to get somebody who can deputise for him, who can come in as and when he's injured, suspended, or needs a rest, etc., etc. So... I mean, yeah. if he was happy to do it, would you be happy with Oxlade Chamberlain as that guy? Yeah, I just wonder if I, I don't know that you couldn't pit Oxlade Chamberlain and Bellerin against each other. I think you've got to have a first choice, right? Hmm. And I think Bellerin should be that first choice. 
So I don't I know that Oxley Chamberlain would be willing really to play second fiddle. I don't know if it would do either of the players any good either if you were to make it a straight fight. You know, I know we talk about having competition for places and, you know, let the best man win, et cetera, et cetera. But, and again, I'm, I'm not necessarily 100% convinced about Oxley chamberlains defensive abilities either. Still think that's an area of his game that that is a little bit weak. You know, going forward, I can imagine he's, that being yeah. exposed over time. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. You know, so he he did well when he when he settled in there for, uh, you know, for for Bellerin when Bellerin was injured and and everything else. But uh, you know, I can't I can't see Oxley Chamberlain as that guy. So I think that's another very interesting thing. Another another little issue that we've got to get sorted this summer. Um, I don't know if there's anybody at youth level who is good enough or ready to make the step up. Uh, to be the number two to Bellerin. Don't think there is, is there? No. Uh, I mean, uh, Maitland-Niles is is an option, certainly, because he's very versatile. He's got great stamina, great energy. So maybe maybe that will be Arsene Wenger's solution. Maybe that will be his way into the first-team squad. You've got to take the opportunities where they come. It just mm. seems odd to take a wide player, spend years kind of converting him almost to a central midfield player, only to put them wide again. But... Mm. Wouldn't put it past them. No, okay. A lot of people, uh, including, let me see, where do I have it here? I had it there and now I can't find it. Uh, oh, yes. It's uh, Andrew Reese, uh, who's at Andrew J. Reese on Twitter. There's a story doing the rounds suggesting that Arsenal could do a swap deal with Manchester City. Alexis Sanchez for Sergio Aguero. Andrew Reese says, yes, please. Uh, what do you think? I have seen that, you know, uh, rumour around and about. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because t- tactically, it's not a straight swap. Um, it might be a straight swap in terms of sort of goal output, but it's taking a player from a deeper position, swapping him from a centre forward. Uh, and if you do that deal, you probably don't go and sign Lacazette. You probably look more at a Lamar or a Mares, someone to play behind a striker. Mm. I think I think I would do it. I think Aguero's about as good as... I mean, I don't want to do it. Sorry, let's, let's be clear. I don't want Alexis to go. But if you said to me, he has to go, I think that... And he, and he has to go to Manchester City, then getting Aguero in exchange, mm. I think would be as useful as £50 million. Pounds. Let's put it like that. What about you? I would be really reticent to to do this. Um, Why? Are you worried about Aguero's fitness? Yeah, his fitness, his hamstrings. He's 29. And just mostly because I wouldn't give Manchester City Alexis Sanchez. Simple as that. That would be an absolute deal breaker for me. If you could bring in Sergio Aguero to play for Arsenal right now, yes, I'd have a go at that but not as a, an exchange for Alexis Sanchez. No way. No way. Um, so, n- yeah, I don't know how I can say that anymore. No way. It's pretty emphatic. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't want to lose uh, Alexis to City 100% or any other English team. All I'm saying is if it was the case that he had to go to City and you said to me you can have the money or you can have Aguero, I'd probably take Aguero. Just because uh, for all my concerns about his mm. fitness... And his age, I think he might bridge the gap 
while you were able to sign, I don't know, you know, if it is a Lamar or a younger player who might need a little time to settle or fulfil their potential. I wonder if Aguero might give you that immediacy in yeah. terms of goal threat. Yeah. I mean, but that's accepting that Alexis is going, which I... Which I am close to doing. <laughs> Are you? I, uh, you, you? You're absolutely yeah. like if you had to put money on it, you'd say Alexis will go. I th- yes, I think I would say that. Yeah, hmm. I think I would say that. I think that's the that's experience in the past influencing my position. What would you bet on? I, I wouldn't put any money on him signing a new deal, but right. I w- I'm not 100 percent sure that he'll he'll go either. It really depends what's on offer and who's who who who's offering it. And the stories what, what that Bayern Munich do. have dropped their interest because of his wage demands so mm. in kicker today. I don't know how true that is. But. Right. I don't know. I don't know. So I'm you know I'm not 100 percent resigned to that either. But I I'd be very surprised if he signed a new deal. I just I'm just not sure that we'll let him go. Hmm. What would you guess is the state of play right now? Do you think he's indicated that he's not really interested in signing a new contract yeah. and? And that's basically where it is. Yeah. And now the club have the decision to make, A, do they push the boat out? Because I think, you know, part of part of what's going on is Sanchez being 28 years of age and knowing that he is at the absolute peak of his powers and making the most of that from a financial point of view. You know, I know he's all about the football. He'd play football on the beach with orphans, blah, 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 you know. But at the same time, he's got people advising him who are saying, look, you've got one more big move left in you or one more big contract. If it's, if he, you know, Arsenal can in some way convince him that he can win things with us and pay him what he feels like he wants to be paid, maybe there's still a chance, you know? But I think much will depend on this season. Of course, he and his agents are in a very strong position because they've got that 12 months left on their deal. But. Yeah, I, you know, I, it's it's just so hard to know. It really is hard to know because so little of it is is public, other than just whispers and, um, yeah, I, I don't really know what to what to make of it all. But you know, Kesarasara and all that. But we shall see. We'll we shall, shall I think see. we'll know soon enough. Mm. Um, Felix Sumba on Twitter says, discuss the futures of El Nenny and Cochrane, given the need for a new central midfielder. It's not a question, it's an order. Discuss the futures of Alneni and Cochlear. They are to be taken out and shot, both of them. Alneni's <laughs> um, one I wonder about, I must say. I agree. I feel like he might be a bit of an odd man out. I in, agree. In the midfield mix. I agree. I think if we bring in a central midfielder this summer, I feel like Elneny could be a surprise or not so surprise departure. But of course, much will depend on what happens with Jack Wilshire. There's a, sure. a, a, another issue that needs resolving. Holy shit, they've got some amount of work to be doing. I hope they're in there like early, six o'clock. You've got to be at your desks at six o'clock. You're not leaving till 11 o'clock at night because you've got so much work to do and things to, to sort out, Arsene Wenger and Ivan Gazidis and, and everybody else. Um, yeah, I think... Elneny has become more and more peripheral as time has gone on. I, you know, I think he's mm. a perfectly decent player, solid enough, reliable enough, but of course limited as well at the same time. Um, 
He kind of served. Is it? I think it might be the case that he sort of served his purpose. You know, there was a time where we lost Cazorla and Arsenal's midfield really lacked stability and energy and various qualities, and he came in and he offered that for yeah. a period of time, particularly towards the back end of not the season just gone, but the one before. Uh, and I suppose once Shaka and Ramsey began to find their feet, we kind of evolved slightly beyond him potentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so I think he he could well be a departure. I think that Coquelin will stay. I think Wenger really likes Coquelin, his attitude, everything else, uh, the qualities that that he has or that he thinks he has. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I mean I mean that. I don't mean to be disrespectful there in any yeah, way. I Arsene don't Wenger. dislike Coquelin as, most, as much as most people, I must say. I think no. his numbers are still excellent in terms of tackles, interceptions, defensive actions, you know, and, and that, that skill set makes him relatively unique within the Arsenal squad as well. Yeah, I think he's a, a, a good squad player. Don't think he should be starting too often, but, you know, he's a useful player and I think he's not going to be somebody that Arsene Wenger will allow to leave. They've given him a, a fairly big new contract recently anyway, um, and that would make that departure a little more difficult. So, yeah, I don't, um, I don't see him going, but El Nenny is certainly, I think he's he's in danger. He's in danger. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, Simon King uh, wants to know: uh, Would you say it's time for Arsenal fans to crack each other's heads open and feast on the goo within? And if you don't get that reference, Professor, without knowing precisely what the danger is, would you say it's time for our viewers to? Crack each other's heads open and feast on the goo inside? Yes, I would, Ken. Mm, yes, I would. Uh, obviously referring to the lack of transfer activity. Are we there yet? Should we start panicking or should we remain chill? I don't know. I mean, I think it's always relative to what other clubs are doing, isn't it? I'm trying to have a think now. What have other clubs done? Liverpool signed Mo Salah last week for a club record fee. Um Man City have signed the, the goalkeeper guy and... The Portuguese midfielder, yeah. Bernardo Silva, yeah. That's right. And uh, I'm trying to think. Manchester United bought Lindelof, the defender. Mm. Um, but not crazy amounts. I mean, Chelsea r- rumoured to be closing on a deal for Bakayoko. I mean, Monaco, they're breaking that team up, but they're going to make an awful lot of money out of doing mm. it. Um, so I, I, I saw somebody somewhere did a breakdown of which month in the summer we typically do our business in Uh, and it made for quite interesting reading so this is in summer transfer windows since we left Highbury in April we've signed one player that was Lucas Podolski back in 2012 Mm -hmm. in May uh, four ever Rosicki, Fabianski, Shamak and Shaka Uh, in June six so just six players whereas July it's 11 Right. Since we moved from the city. So July, and then August, 17. 750. So, and the last day yeah. of August, 3,912 <laughs> players. There are two in September as well, because Ursula and Welbeck were kind of on those September deadlines. Oh, days. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, 17 in August, 12, uh, sorry, 11 in July, 6 in June. So June is typically quite a quiet month in, on the incoming front. The players we signed in June were Aaron Ramsey, Thomas Vermaelen, Carl Jenkinson, Olivia Giroud and Petr Cech. Right. Um, 
So they were all relatively early business, and I think it is July and August where things actually happen. And, no, you know, a, a disturbing amount of those August ones were right at the last minute. Mm, they really were. Uh, but hopefully it won't come to that. All right, all right. Um, ben, who's at Behan2807, wants to know, following our interest in Lacazette, can you think of any other players named after musical devices? Ooh... Very good question. Uh, Bob Gramophone? Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, Bob Gramophone was a hell of a player. What position did he play? He was an inside left half of the right. old, the, you know, the old school. The old school. Hard, as, hard as nails he was. Hard as nails. He had both his he knees was... replaced by uh, hinges made by an ironmonger from Widnes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what we'd what we'd give for a player like that? In, Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Uh, <gasps> I Ralph got one. Did, did Ralph did we do? Have oh, you got right. a real one? I've got a real one. Yeah, go on. Tuba Akpom. Tuba Akpom. Boom, Very boom, good. Boom. That's that's good. really good. Mm. Um, Sebastian Bassoon used to play for <laughs> Norwich and Newcastle, didn't he? Uh, I'm just trying to think. There's probably a Scandinavian player called Flute Johansson somewhere. Yeah, there must be. Yeah. Surely. Somewhere in all of Scandinavia, with all those Scandinavians in it, there must be a Flute Johansson. Surely. Yeah, so, someone dig him out. He must exist. Um, I think that might be it. But, I mean, Lacazette is, uh, you know, it's a headline writer's dream in some respects. Mm. I mean, arguably 20 or 30 years late, but other yeah. than that. Yeah, not quite as late as Steve Vinyl, but hey. There are no French strikers called MP3. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. Alf Minidisc. Yeah, exactly. He had a he he burned brightly for a short period after. Very Minidisc, short period of time. Then he got his fucked career over. Career ended early, yeah. <laughs> got fucked over by the uh by the iPods and all that kind of stuff. I've got one final one here. Have you got one more okay. and I've got one final one if you want? Uh, I have got one more. Uh, it's sort of on a similar theme, but John Grigsby asked, it's gone remarkably quiet on the Urzel front. Does that reflect a lack of interest from other clubs or inaction by our team? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. problem solved. All right. Uh, this final one comes from Purple Pie Pete. And he right. says, who else listens eagerly to hashtag ArsCastExtra but turns it off when the silly questions come on. Hashtag down with this sort of thing. Now on that, James, would you rather be a brick that could time travel yeah. or have a tongue that can extend as far as you want it to? Well, I must say, Pete must be in quite the conundrum now because this is typically where he turns off, but his question has been asked, so he's not going to know what to do. Um, I suspect we've lost him. Now give me that conundrum again. A brick that can time travel. Yeah, would you rather be a brick that can time travel or right, yeah. have a tongue that can extend as far out of your mouth as you want it to? Or as it definitely, needs to? Definitely the latter. Right. Why would I want to be a brick? You can time travel. But I've got no senses. I can't perceive you're anything. O- you're, obviously, you're obviously sentient. Like a sentient brick. In some way. No, I can't risk that. What if someone picked me up and concreted me into a wall? <laughs> yeah, put you into a pyramid. Ah, oh, fuck! Yeah, that's it. In the inside of a pyramid. I'm never going to escape, never going to be anywhere again. I, I don't... No, I don't want that. And the tongue thing, 
that'd be so useful. I mean, every time I wanted a snack, I wouldn't have to involve my hands. I could, you know, keep... I don't know what I'm doing with my hands, but the tongue thing would be handy. I would never have to go and get the ruffles from the table. I could bring the ruffles to me on said tongue. Mm, Yeah, that's true, but it would be quite unwieldy, wouldn't it, with your tongue just sort of going along the carpet, then you get all dog hairs and... Does it not retract, though, like a frog? Well, I don't know. My, my, My feeling on this was that when it was long enough, it would just sort of drop out of your mouth and hit to the, hit the floor like gravity. Like a tape measure. Yeah, like yeah. a tape measure. Yeah, exactly. Well. <laughs> yeah, that's not ideal. You would, you would pick up a lot of fluff and stuff. Yeah, you know. But I'm sticking with my decision. What, what would you choose? I think I'd like to be a time-travelling brick. Why? There's nothing good about being a brick. Well, I like to time travel, though. That's that's the off. I know. Th- that's the I balance. Know. That's the, the trade-off. It's yeah. the trade-off. Is like I could go back in time, and the thing about it is, you know, you're you're unlikely to change the course of history as a brick. Whereas if you're a person that could time travel, imagine you traveled back in time to. I don't know where, like Abraham Lincoln. And you go in and you save Abraham Lincoln's life from the guy who was going to assassinate him in the theatre. You change the course of history. And who knows how that might, you know, it's the whole Back to the Future thing going on there, the space-time continuum. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're a brick, you're just more or less watching, you're observing. Maybe you would uh, develop techniques to remain unnoticed. So if you went back into dinosaur times... T-Rex isn't standing there with a stegosaurus going, where, where the fuck did that brick come from? I was just standing, this brick just appeared out of nowhere. What the fuck's going on? And they obviously dinosaur chomp you to death. I think you would develop ways. It would be very interesting to see. And of course, I'm really interested in the future, James. What is the world going to look like in five years, 50 years, 100 years? Maybe I don't want to know. Maybe it would be too weird and scary to go forward into a post-apocalyptic dystopian nightmare, but I'd still, I'd still fancy that more than having a really fluffy tongue because the ruffles were in the kitchen. Okay, fair enough. Well, I, I respect your opinion, but you are wrong about this one. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Anyway, let's agree to disagree. Let's agree to disagree. And hopefully Purple Pie Pete uh, stayed tuned for that one. Uh, I think. He, I hope he did. I think he likes them really. He just doesn't want to admit it to himself. He loves yeah. the silliness. He loves it. He's a, he's a great laugh. Tickle him. Tickle Purple Pie Pete. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it with your massive tongue. Yeah, I could do. Yeah, you probably got it. At my own risk. Yeah, you box in the head for that. Um, <laughs> all right, well, look, uh, we better leave it there because, uh, well, basically we've run out of stuff to talk about, clearly. There is that. There yeah. is that. Uh, we will be back, hopefully, on Sunday. We're going to have an Arsecast Extra for you on Sunday because I'm going away on holidays next week, um, so there won't be one on Monday. So uh, we'll get it together to get you something to listen to next Sunday and have something there for you. And hopefully between now and then, all kinds of things will happen in the transfer market so we don't have to feast on each other's goo. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. That's that's something no one needs to bear witness to. No, absolutely. All right, we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.